First of all, though, let's just turn to God in prayer. Father, I, I pray for this, this time now that we have. I pray for this message. I pray that you will open all of our hearts to hear what, what you have to say to us. Father, I pray that you will use me as a, as a conduit for the, the words that, through your Holy Spirit, you want to say to, to our church. Today we're going to talk about persecution. Father, I, I pray for, for those that suffer disadvantage, for those that suffer ostracization, for those that suffer having evil spoken against them just because they know you. Father, I pray especially for all those people that are in places where they can't just meet like we do here openly um, without fear, without fear of retribution from the authorities, of imprisonment, of all kinds of things. And yet they meet because they know that you are the light and that the darkness cannot overcome the light. Father, we pray for, for comfort for all of those people today and everybody who is, who is facing persecution. Father, I, I pray for our children. I pray that, Lord, these young lives may be just impacted by you. Lord, that your word may go out, Lord, that it may fall on, on fertile fields, Lord, and that it may really change lives. And I pray for our children in our Sunday school this morning. And Lord, we just give this, this time that we have now to you, Lord, and, and pray in your name for, um, for teaching and for growth in you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. Good. Have it on the screen. Let's just read. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we've read through and talked about seven beatitudes, seven statements of, of what it is to, to be blessed, seven descriptions of um, somebody who is in God's kingdom, who is walking with Jesus and who is being sanctified. And ultimately, the the, the the state of, of complete blessing and happiness that arises from being aligned with, with God's and God's purposes. And then this week, we come to something which, at first glance, appears to be a little bit different. So all of the previous seven Beatitudes, they all seem to be about character qualities. Whereas this one, it almost seems to be about something external. Uh, not only that, but this Beatitude appears to be repeated twice and then followed up with a, another statement that we should be rejoice. And it kind of seems a bit strange, right? You're persecuted, rejoice. Um, so you may wonder, did, did Jesus change topic here? Um, I, I would say no. Actually, these, these Beatitudes fit entirely with the other Beatitudes. And what we're going to do to examine that, um, so first of all, I'm going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about persecution, which is the topic that, that Jesus had to talk about. Um, then having taken a look at, at what the Bible says about persecution, then I'm going to circle back to uh, this 
verses and this beatitude and, and let's try and understand the message that Jesus has and how it fits to the other beatitudes. In terms of persecution, um, let's look at, at four things. So let's, let's first of all um, look at what, what the Bible has to say about what, what exactly is persecution, what is meant by the word persecution. Um, then a question that, that you may have, will we, will I face persecution? Maybe you know the answer to that already, but um, let's see what the Bible says about whether we will face persecution. Why, why is there persecution? What is the, the cause of persecution? Um, and then importantly, what, what should we do in response to persecution uh, when persecution comes? And then finally, what is the relation between persecution and blessing that Jesus is, is talking about here? So, on the first question, what is meant by persecution? In these verses, Jesus highlights um, those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake um, and those that have bad things said against them um, because of him. So, maybe first of all, a couple of things that, that Jesus is not explicitly referring to here. Uh, one is that this world, because it is fallen, contains a lot of difficulties and a lot of trials. There is social injustice, there is bad health, there is crime, there is all kinds of things that can happen to us, and those may not be directly connected with the fact that we're a Christian. And the Bible has things to say about trials too, a lot of them actually similar to, to persecution. So James says we should consider it a blessing when we face trials because those help us to, to develop, to develop character and to develop hope. Another thing, just to mention briefly, that persecution isn't. Um, persecution is never connected to when we have done something dumb. Um, so, of course, if we do something sinful and we face consequences, then that is not persecution. It may sound obvious. Um, in the Bible, um, so Paul says um, that, that the authorities do not bear the sword in vain. He also says that if, if you have a bad master and you're a slave, um, if you do something sinful and you get beaten for it, it, it doesn't have meaning um, in the sense of it's not, it's not a credit. And also that God may use people and circumstances to uh, correct us when we do wrong. So, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious to all of us, I guess. If I, if I go and rob a bank and, and the police come and chase me, then that is not persecution. Um, but maybe one thing to think about a little bit is um, if we act in a way that is, is prideful um, and yet sinful, just be a little bit careful about what we call persecution and what we don't. But to, to be more obvious, persecution is because of what we are and who we know. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness because we are righteous, um, and because of me. So it's because we are righteous and because we know Jesus. These are things that rile the world, and these are things that cause the world to uh, rile against us and turn against us. Um, and notice that although those will influence our actions, Jesus is not specifically talking about our actions. He's talking about who we are, what we, what we are, and who we know. Those are things that in themselves 
will lead the world to, to persecute us. So a definition of persecution, opposition, words, and actions that arise as a result of acknowledging Christ and living a spirit-filled life. Persecution has always been around. Um, but in terms of numbers, we live in a time of unprecedented levels of persecution. Let's just take a look at the situation in the world. Oops. Okay, stay on this slide. Um, so a good resource to look at um, to, to understand more about persecution is an organization known as Open Doors. You know, I put the website there at the bottom. Be careful to put the hyphen between open and doors, otherwise you get to somewhere rather different. Um, so they have produced a map, which you can see here. They've looked at 50 countries, um, and they have characterized the level of, of persecution in these, these countries. Note that the fact that a country is not colored here does not mean that there is no persecution in that country. It just means it's not one of the 50 that Open Doors has, has taken a particular look at. And the deeper the shade of red, the greater is the persecution in those countries. Um, th these are not places where people are um, like being called jerks or something for, for following Christ. These are places in which people are being ostracized, they're cast out of families, they're cast out of employment, they face physical violence, they face imprisonment, torture, death, all because of what they are and who they acknowledge. The, the countries in this area represent apparently around 312 million Christians. Just some, some statistics, apparently, um, according to Open Doors, around one in seven Christians in the world today face serious persecution. In Africa, that becomes one in five. In Asia, two in five, so getting on for half of the Christians. And yet, consider, for example, North Korea. North Korea, as you very likely know, is a brutal dictatorship. North Korea is a totalitarian state in which any kind of dissent is, is not tolerated. It is illegal to have any kind of scripture or Bible in North Korea. Christians face imprisonment, torture, death. It is to, to, to be a Christian, to stand up for Christ, is a really serious thing in North Korea. And yet, according to... Um, open doors. I've no idea how you would actually go about counting these things, but somehow between their, their contacts that they have, open doors estimate that there are around 400,000 people, North Koreans, who've turned to God, who have Jesus as their savior, and, and who are part of our family. In Muslim countries, um, in Iran, apparently there are around 1.25 million Christians. Pakistan, 4.2 million Christians. India, around 60 million. China, wait for it, 100 million. Um, so, God's, the, the light does not overcome the darkness. God's, God is good, and these people know that God is good, and these people are on the line because God is good. Hebrews 13 and verse 3, it encourages us to remember those who are in prison as if we were in prison with them and those who are mistreated. So it's actually important. The Bible tells us to remember these people. So 
if you have a moment, go and take a look at this resource. There's lots of, of resources. They also, in, in Sweden, I understand, hold prayer meetings for, for the persecuted church. Um, let's remember those who face serious persecution. But what about us in Sweden? Uh, at least this morning, personally, I, I'm standing here. I, I'm not particularly fearful that I'm going to be dragged off to the, the police who's there or something after the service. Um, we live with a certain amount of freedom. But actually, the words of Jesus here, these are particularly meaningful to us. Blessed are those when others revile you, utter all kinds of evil against you. Because in Sweden, there are corners of society where people will be ostracized from families and will face difficulties. But even in the rest of Sweden, um, we will face, and I know people in this church do face, people talking all kinds of evil about them, people reviling them because of who they are and because they know God. Um, so this is not quite as distant and irrelevant as it might seem if you look at the whole world picture. Um, but there is pain and there is difficulty and there is persecution for uh, those who live in Sweden too. We can face insult, discrimination, humiliation, and it can be difficult and it can be painful. So it gets better, by the way, but um, that maybe a, a question you may ask yourself, especially it, it's, it's possible that persecution comes in different ways at different times. Maybe you ask yourself the question, um, am I going to face persecution? Is that something that can be relevant to me? Um, so let's see what the Bible says about that. Maybe you already know the answer to that question if you are. Paul puts it rather succinctly in his, his letter to Timothy. Paul says this, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Um, Peter, Peter says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you and then uh, relates it later on to being insulted for the name of Christ uh, and the, because the glory of God rests upon you. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Jesus did say, in this world you will have tribulation. Um, and Jesus also said during the end times, i.e. the time between Jesus leaving and Jesus returning, um, they, as in the world, will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So maybe, maybe this is something you, you, you know because you, you have or you are facing persecution. Take heart that it, it's not outside of what the Bible tells us that we can expect. Take heart, and I'll, I'll get to the better bits in a minute um, about just about God's care for us and about the fact that we are being persecuted because of the, the precious promise, the, the precious life that we have in Jesus. If you're not going through a period of persecution right now, then praise God. Um, expect it. Expect it and prepare for it. Because the Bible is quite clear. Persecution will come to those who seek to follow Christ. You may think, okay, he says prepare for it. How, how do I prepare to be persecuted? Um, that, that we'll get to in a moment. Um, but it, it is, it's important. 
if you're not facing persecution right now, it's important to, to remember that it's something that we can expect and it's something that we should prepare for. So, before we get to that, let's just take a moment to think, understand why is there persecution? Why should we be persecuted? Don't, aren't we the peacemakers? Shouldn't the world love us? Um, so, they don't. And there's at least two reasons why the world doesn't love us. In John 3, um, Jesus says, the light has come into the world. And did people love the light? No. People love the darkness. Um, and why did they love the darkness? Because they're ways of evil, and the light exposes what they're doing wrong. Peter had this to say. He talked about some of the things the Gentiles do. They, they live in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. Um, Probably you can recognize a lot of those things in the lives of people around you in this city. And he says, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So Jesus is the light and we are light in the world and darkness hates light because even if you don't actually say it to them, light exposes the deeds of darkness. Secondly, um, Jesus said, um, a servant is not great in his matter. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. And he, he also said in, in, in chapter 15 and verse 19, um, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you are not of the world, and I chose you out of the world, the world hates you. So a second reason why we are persecuted is because we are identified with Jesus and in this world, um, there are people who are going to turn to Jesus, but there are also people who are enemies of Jesus. And we saw that because he came to earth and he was crucified. So we will be identified with Jesus. Take heart, though, because the, the other part of John fifteen twenty says, um, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So it's not that absolutely everybody around us is going to live in darkness and hate Jesus. We are the light. There will be people who will turn to the light, who will turn to Christ, and who will be saved. So, why do we have persecution? Because the world is dark, and the world hates the light, and the world does not recognize Jesus. And we, we, can't, we can't somehow compromise with that. We can't live in the world and, and try and be not really very light so that the world happens not to see us. Jesus actually says, don't put the light under a, a lampstand. We, we can't not be associated with Jesus. You either are or you aren't. So this is, this is why we see persecution. So having looked at whether we will face persecution and why there is persecution, um, what, what do we do if persecution comes? If one way, I'm not going to talk a lot about this because I looked into it and I decided it would be a little bit of uh, information overload this morning. Um, sometimes God provides a way out of persecution. Uh, we should not actively look for persecution and there are times when it's, it's good and right to, to avoid persecution. But that's not always right. We certainly shouldn't be avoiding persecution if it means compromising with the world. 
Um, and there are times when th there's no good way out of persecution. Um, I, I could talk a lot more about that, but I'm not going to because I think it would just be an uh, overload of, of information. But if you're interested, then we can, we can talk more. But assuming that we face persecution of some kind, what, what should we do as believers to respond to persecution? So, a couple of things that we should do, first of all. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Paul, Paul said, bless those that persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And he actually went on, he said, get this, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink because then you will heap burning coals on his head. This was real to Paul too. When speaking about the, the, the Jews who were persecuting him, he said, my heart's desire and prayer for God for them is that they may be saved. Um, so I, I don't actually think that feeding and giving drink to a hungry and thirsty enemy, that, that may be about giving them some food. Um, but I, I think also in a spiritual sense too, um, somebody who is persecuting me may be persecuting me because they're hungry and thirsty spiritually. So pray for them and think about whether in the midst of the persecution you can feed and, 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 um, and give them something to drink spiritually. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ, the living water, um, the bread of life. So Actively pray for those that persecute you. Pray that they'll be blessed. That, that doesn't mean pray that they'll have lots of good material things in the world. Uh, remember the definition of blessings in the Beatitudes. Pray that they'll be saved. Um, bless them. Give them something to eat and drink. Secondly, continue to walk in Christ. Peter, 1 Peter 3.16 says, Have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those that revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So see to it that you can have a good conscience. Don't be ashamed. Peter also says, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Don't be ashamed. No matter what the world is saying to you, you are right and they are wrong. God is, God is good. God is glorious. The world has nothing to offer but things that we need to compete for, things that won't last, things that won't satisfy, and then ultimately in eternity in the absence of God. We have hope in Christ. We have good works that God has set forth or prepared for us to do. Uh, we have an eternity where, as the, the Beatitude last week said, we will see God. Uh, so don't be ashamed. So... Love your enemy, pay for your enemy, give them something to eat and drink, um, have a good conscience, don't be ashamed. Easy, right? There we go. That's how you deal with persecution. Easy. No, no, of course not. Um, so let's remember a, a very important thing when we face persecution is that this is not about me or, or you in our own strength in some kind of macho way, standing up for Christ and 
blessing our enemies and, and in our own strength, making sure that we, we have a good conscience. The source or the reason for persecution, but also the way in which we deal with persecution, everything centers around him, around Christ. Remember earlier I said, you may be asking the question, how, how can you prepare for future persecution? So uh, uh, what I'm going to do now, we're going to go through a, a little bit about what the Bible says about Jesus, about Christ, in relation to persecution. I'll put a few verses up on the screen. Um, if, if I would suggest that one way of preparing is to look at and, and meditate around verses like these, learn them. Um, don't just read, also put into practice in your life. So let, let's, let's look at some of the aspects of, of walking with Jesus that are really relevant when we are persecuted. So first of all, we have entrusted our souls to a faithful creator. We have entrusted our souls to Jesus, to Almighty God, who has defeated evil and who has all power. Let us remember who God is. And let us remember that Jesus is always with us. We may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't need to fear because Jesus, the good shepherd, is right by us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing, no, no amount of persecution, distress, famine, nakedness, or anything else. There is nothing that is going to mean, ah, now I've, I've, I've been pushed so far away that somehow Jesus is not right there, caring about me, my creator God. And we see that, I, I took this reference from, from Daniel, the, the, the fiery furnace. So Daniel's friends were, were thrown into this, this furnace. It was heated to seven times hotter than usual. I don't know what usual is, but imagine it was normally heated to 200 degrees, then it would be 1,400 degrees. Um, and when the, the king looked in the following morning, not only were they not unharmed, he actually saw a fourth person who looked like a son of the gods, the son of God. Jesus was actually demonstrated that he was with them. So don't allow the world to allow you to lose sight of the fact that Jesus is right there. Jesus is, your creator God is looking out for you. Uh, secondly, if we go to the next slide, um, we, we share in Christ's sufferings and in his glory. So Jesus said, the world hated him, it will hate you. We share in the sufferings of Christ. Um, we, 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 we are like him. He didn't revile in return. Um, he did not threaten, but he, he, he walked the same walk as us. He entrusted himself to him who judges uh, justly. And let's also remember that we share in the comfort of Christ. So, yes, in this world, we are called, as God's people, to share in the sufferings of Christ for a short time. But we will share in the comfort of Christ. We will share in the glory. We will share in eternity with Christ. Um, and as, as he says in, in, uh, in John 16, he has overcome the world. So let's remember Christ is with us. And this is not a, a, a God who is sitting in heaven and hasn't really experienced the kind of thing that we've experienced. He knows. He's walked the walk. Um, then, 
The next thing on the next slide. So never lose sight of the fact that what we have is an immeasurably precious treasure. The two parables about the, the treasure hidden in the field and the pearl is about somebody finding something that's so valuable that they go and sell everything else because nothing else is worth it apart from knowing Christ. Paul expressed similar sentiments. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Content to deal with weaknesses, insults, persecutions, hardships, and calamities. Um, let us not lose sight of the fact that what we have is precious treasure. How do we not lose sight of that? We need to come to God. We need to worship God for what he is. We need to meditate and dwell on the goodness of God. We need to meditate and dwell on just the promises that we have, an inheritance in eternity, in the new, as, as Leonardo talks about, the new uh, heaven and the new earth, um, where all things will be made good, of a purpose um, while we're here on earth, of sanctification, and of being able to see God, as we said last week, of being blessed in the way that all of the other Beatitudes said that we were blessed. It's something precious. Then, fourthly, um, we can and we should take our cares and concerns to him. Um, Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Our strength is in Christ. Personally, I can witness, I won't get into the detail now, but I've known people who, ordinary people, have faced extraordinary levels of hardship in different ways, and nothing in their character would have like enable them to to endure it and yet i've seen god's grace that actually when the, the time of difficulty the time of trial has come they've actually got through it in a graceful way because of the strength of him this is real um jesus says don't be anxious don't worry what's the solution if we're worried come to him in prayer and supplication why because the peace of god which surpasses all understanding, will guard us in Christ Jesus. Um, come to him, you who are labor and are heavy laden. That, that's in, to some extent talking about the burden of sin. Um, but I think also, if, if you're heavily laden with, with troubles in the world, come to Jesus. Then I added this proverb, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Um, so bring your cares to Jesus and learn to trust. Also something that, as, even if you're not facing persecution, walk with Jesus and learn to trust him because the more you realize inside that you can trust him, the more you'll be able to deal with the time of, of persecution. What I've not added here is Psalms. So, but that would be a really good thing to do too. Go and, go and spend some time looking in the Psalms. Um, often Psalms, to paraphrase them, Psalms are not always kind of all about God's greatness. David and the Psalmists come to God and they say, hey, why is it that all my enemies are doing really well and I'm on the run? Why is it, God, that I don't feel like you're here? He, he brings his frustration. And yet the other pattern that we see in the Psalms is that having brought that to God, he said, but I realize that you're good, and I realize that my enemies have nothing. And we see a pattern where 
by coming to God and bringing his frustration and bringing his concerns, his whole perspective on the situation is transformed. So the Psalms are, are, are great, a great way to look at ways to, to come to God and just bring our, our difficulties to him. So in summary, uh, I think the next slide, yep, what, what should we do? Well, we should pray for our oppressors, our persecutors, give them something to eat and drink, also spiritually, continue to walk in faith with a clear conscience and, and no shame, but don't stop looking at Jesus. This is not about you in your own strength having to stand up to things. This is all about being equipped and carried in Jesus' strength. Look to Jesus, look to who he is, look to the fact that he is walking right beside us, that he, he has experienced all of these things himself. Um, cast your cares on him and know that he is your strength. And you, you don't know that he's your strength just by reading in the Bible, he's your strength. You know that he's your strength by exercising your faith in him. So let's go back to um, the, the Beatitudes that we, saw, that, that we read today. Um, so, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In Luke, uh, blessed are you when people hate you when they exclude you and when they revile you and they spurn your, your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Peter, 1 Peter 3.14, if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them or be troubled. Jesus goes on to say, rejoice and be glad. So how does this relate to the other Beatitudes? What, what does it mean? Is, is this saying that in, in some way, if, if bad things are done against you, that's a blessing? Hey, that guy over there, he just called me a jerk. What a blessing. Um, I think one thing that's important here is, is not to mix up uh, cause and effect. Look at the other Beatitudes. Those are all about a state of blessedness that arises from somebody um, who is living a life that is entirely aligned with God's purpose, poor in spirit, as in realizing that they have nothing uh, apart from God, mourning, evil, meek, hunger and thirsting for righteousness, pure in heart. Um, that is like a definition of what blessing is. It was revolutionary in Jesus' time. Here, he's then saying, you are blessed. If you, if you are blessed, then you will be persecuted because the world hates Jesus and hates the light. So if you were not blessed, you wouldn't be persecuted, right? The world doesn't come and persecute people who, who, are, not, um, who, who are not living in, in, in God's purpose and who are not blessed. So one way we can see this is that if you are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, um, if people are saying evil things against you, it is because of the blessing that we have in Christ that that is happening. I don't think it only goes one way. Um, he also says that the, the reward is great in, in heaven. Um, so by, like, what do you call it, continuing to, per, per, or the, the continuing to, uh, to walk with Jesus, uh, persevering was the word that I was looking for, 
um, then th there is a great reward in heaven, and the reward comes as, as James and, and in Romans in the time of trial. It, it builds up character, it builds up hope. Um, but I think it's a reflection of the fact. We, you see in verse 10 that the second half of the Beatitude, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is the same as in verse 3, blessed are the poor. So that those that realize that they have nothing apart from God and that turn to God, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those blessed people, they will face persecution in this world, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus also then went on to say, um, so were the prophets persecuted who went before you. Prophets have always been persecuted. James, uh, in James chapter 5, um, said uh, an example of the patience in the face of suffering is prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count them as blessed. Hebrews 11, there's, there's a kind of longish chapter, but it, it talks about some things that happened to prophets. They were tortured, um, they were suffered mocking, flogging, chains, imprisonment, stones, stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword, uh, went about in the skins of sheep and goats, but presumably not a good thing, uh, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, um, wandering around in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. And then he goes on to say that they have not yet received what was promised, so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So we are, we are equated with all of these examples in the Bible. God's reward is immeasurable. Um, and, and he says, look, to, to those um, who, who know the scriptures in, in his time, to those Jews, look, look at the prophets. You can look up to them, but actually the same reward, the same blessing is there for you. Um, so let's, let's remember that we are, if we are persecuted, it's because we have an immense blessing and there is an immense reward. We, we will be open to being rewarded in the same way as all of the, the prophets, all of the, the great figures of, of the Old Testament. Um, finally, it's, it's wonderful to talk about the blessing. It's wonderful to talk about how whatever happens to us in this world, um, we have an immeasurable hope. We, we have good things which God has prepared for us to do on earth. We, we will be sanctified. We have a hope. And we know that in eternity we will see God face to face. I guess it's kind of... God has called us to, to live for some time in this world as his people, in this world that will hate us. Um, and that's it's not kind of nice and easy. It's, it's not the same kind of nice sermon that you can talk about all of God's blessings with, with nothing else. Um, so finally, I thought let's, let's just look up and take a look at this. James uh, chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. And remember, persevering is about in, in Jesus, in him through whom we can do all things, continuing to stand in the trial. It, it's not about our strength. Blessed is him who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, 
that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, yes, there is persecution. There is a lot worse persecution in the world than we face, and we should be aware of that. We should go and pray for those people who face persecution. Yep, the Bible is clear that in one way or another, those who believe in Christ, we will face persecution in this world. But that doesn't change anything about the, the blessedness that we have in living as citizens of the kingdom, of being made righteous, of being made clean, and of having our, our hope in eternity. So let's look up, let's look to the crown of life. Let's look forward to that day when we receive that crown, that thing that the Lord God Almighty has promised us in eternity. Uh, just pray for a moment before we go to communion. Father, I, I, I thank you. I thank you that you, you are there, Lord. I thank you that we, we need fear nothing, even when we go through the valley of the, the shadow of death. I thank you that you give us strength. I pray for all of us here this morning, Lord. Maybe it's a, a difficult message that we, we will face persecution in this world. Um, and yet, we have such a, a wonderful hope in eternity, Lord, and we know that there is nothing that we need to fear. I pray for all of us here this morning, Lord, that we may walk with you, we may build a faith in you that trusts that there is nothing that we need to fear. So that when the time of, of persecution comes, Lord, we know where our home is, we know where our Lord is, and Lord, we look forward so much to that time when we will see you face to face when we will receive this, this great crown of, of life. And we, we thank you, Lord. We, we pray for those that are persecuted in our, in our church, in our country, and especially um, in those places where persecution is, is, is very severe, Lord. And we thank you that we know that in you there is justice and that you will, you will, judge, you will judge rightly and that you will reward all those who, who turn to you and who know you. Lord, help us to be encouraged this morning to persevere until the end. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Tom, thank you so much. You know, the things that we fear are often the things that God uses to transform